Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle, Giroud! It's two! Hello, I'm Russell Hargreaves, welcoming you to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. On today's show, we're talking to Academy Manager Andreas Jonker about his thoughts on the future of the Academy and the progression of Hector Bayer and Alex Iwobi into the first-team squad. We'll be back at half-time with this week's history lesson, but till then, I'll leave you with Arsenal Media's Max Jones in conversation with Andreas Jonker. Firstly, Andres, what's the process like in, in finding uh, promising young players? It is an important role for uh, our recruitment people. So in the younger ages, they watch in the parks, they watch the grassroots football. Um, they try to find the best players we can in the English system. We cannot sign players uh, until they're under nine, but we try to convince the players and the parents we want to bring in that they sign for Arsenal as an under nine. And that's the first big step they have to make entering Highland as an under nine player who has signed for Arsenal. What are the qualities that you're looking for? Is it, is it their individual skill, maybe their attitude? We, uh, we, uh, we believe in a model which has something about technical ability, tactical ability, mental ability and physical ability. And when you speak about an eight years old boy, it's difficult to say something about especially uh, the tactical, the mental and the physical part. So the main thing you're watching is how's the boy handling the ball. And of course it's important that he is agile and quick on his feet. But there's nothing, not, not much to say about the other parts which are to be developed. When the players first join, what are the areas that you look at improving first? The, the main thing is that you're able to handle the ball. Football is about playing with the ball. So the main thing is be boss over the ball, control the ball, master the ball. And the next thing, of course, is you are not playing on yourself. You have to play together. So the tactical part comes quite quick. How do we work together on a very simple, easy level? But it, it, it's, be, it's integrated in training sessions and in the matches of course you play together and you play, don't play against one you play against the team so you have to work together and you have to learn how you do it when you have the ball but also when you don't have the ball then after the after the youngster has settled into the academy what sort of things are the coaches looking at trying to develop yeah that's that's the structured way the structured approach approach we have so we try to improve them on the technical tactile tactical mental and physical part gradually and depending on the age is where the accent is. So uh, those under nines, basically, technically, tactically, but the under 16s, yes, we're also working on the physical and the mental part. Of course, we have to. Hmm. So are there any particular drills then that you'd maybe use with the under 16s but wouldn't use with the under nines? Yeah, of course, with the under 16s it's much more complicated in the way that you might expect a 15, 16 year old boy to understand a lot about the game after be, having been here for six or seven years. Well, the under nine, main job is to master the ball. So a lot of technical exercises. We've spoken about the, the technical side and the tactical side as well, but when does physicality come into it? And then also, what can you do to help improve that physicality? The, the, the physical part is important from the moment they come in, because also, unfortunately, in this country, uh, physical education is not as important as it should be on many schools. Uh, also, in this country, uh, boys like to use their fingers for their telephone, 
but playing in the street has become less in general. So you need to develop their ability to move. So strength and conditioning comes in immediately at under nine, but then the main thing is to learn them, to experience them, moving, using space, uh, being quick, being slow, changing direction, all kinds of things, improving their coordination. Generally, it gets another accent, and when puberty enters, yeah, then it becomes more and more important to pay attention to the physical part. Obviously, your job and, and the role of your coaches as well is to oversee the development of these, these uh, young players, but at what point does Arsene Wenger become aware of, of them? Arsene Wenger becomes aware at the moment players enter Colney, so that means first-year scholars, that means when they leave the under-16s here, and we call them the graduates who make the step to Colney. And at the moment that Colney is being informed by me, but also by his staff watching the boys, by the under 18 and the 21 staff watching the boys. And then they're all candidate to practice with the first team. Arsene never asks for age, he's asking for quality. And every boy who's practicing at Colney is a candidate to be in the first team training pitch. What I do do is inform him ahead about who is coming over. So this week I've told him who's coming over and which player I expect most of. So can you just talk us through the process of, of moving from here to London Colney as a whole then? Because I imagine they're, they're a new change of room, new teammates. It must be quite difficult for them. Yeah, that, that's a different culture. Here is a, a, a child's environment. Here everybody's protected by Premier League rules. So everybody is playing 50% of the time. Uh, everybody is treated in a very nice way. There's a lot of protection from safeguarding, security, health and welfare. It's all fine. But when I move to Colney, there's still this protection. But on the other hand, it's the big man's world. When you're practicing with Mertesacker, Arteta, Casola, uh, Giroud and Sanchez, you just have to pass the ball in the right direction with the right speed and you have to do it well. And if not, they might criticize you. Yeah, you have to handle it. So it's the difference between a protected children's world and a less protected, but still protected, adult world. That's the big difference. Here you play for under 16, that's one. When you make the step to Colney, you might practice play for under 18, for under 19 in Europe, for under 21 if doing quite well. You might be practicing with Arsene every now and then. And 70% of the players at Colney play for a national team. Yeah, that's a different situation. You mentioned a minute ago about how you told Arsene Wenger who, who would be going up to London Colney from here. How much satisfaction does it give you being able to see the players progress from such a young age and then go in and, and train in the men's world? Yeah, that's that's the, the challenge you have to bring them up from here to Colney. But you have to be realistic. Uh, you can have that dream, you can have that which is all about quality. Are they good enough? And we try to take every decision as far as we can. Does the player have a perspective? Will he be able to handle the circumstances at Colney? Will he be able to practice with first team? Will he be able to make the step in a few years from under 18 to under 21? Yeah, that's the challenge. And that's what we're all working for here at Highland. And of course, when they come to Colney, what we are work, working for, to make them feel comfortable, to adapt them generally to the level at Colney and to give them a feeling of being part of the Arsenal world over there as well.
So Andres, it's a really exciting time here at Halen, so many developments. Um, can you just tell us about the scale of investment here and, and how much has changed since you've been at the club? I think many things have uh, changed at the time I came in. You could uh, enter the facility over the path and uh, the old groundsman checked the people coming in. And now you, uh, you have seen when you come in, there's a professional security. Nobody can come in anymore without passing the security. The old building, which was, I think, a cricket uh, club building, and after that, the school building, and after that, the Arsenal facility has completely disappeared. New buildings have, have been built. The dome was here already, it's still here where we are. And the changes are being uh, reconstructed, the, the pitches are being reconstructed, being improved from the quality, one of them. And we're gonna, we, we are building three full size pitches. Uh, all three with flood lit, two of them 4G, one of them grass. And we're really, really looking forward to, uh, to all the changes being finished. How important are all of these developments in attracting and also training the, the next generation of players? I think you should create the best conditions for the boys to develop themselves. And that means good flood lit, good pitches, good changing rooms, good restaurants. And when I came in, it was all fine, but also it was built in the 30s of the last century. And I think with this reconstruction, we made ourselves up to date. We are living in 2016 and it looks like 2016. And I think that's what we had to do. We've already had a look round here at the great facilities, but what's the reaction like of the families when you're able to give them a tour? Yeah, everybody who's seeing it is, uh, is quite uh, excited about it, uh, gets curious about what's going to look like in the end. They all see many things are going on. The buildings are finished more or less, but uh, the other changes in pitches that just create excitement, curiosity. People want to want to see what it looks like when it's finished. You touched on before about the, the sideboards being almost replicating Emirates Stadium. Uh, how, how important are those types of surroundings for building a player's development? Yeah, one, of the, one of the things I found out in my career, it's quite important to know where you are, who you are and who you're playing for. And, and that's an important thing. If you look now, it's not like we are in Arsenal yet. But if you would look in, uh, in a few weeks, you cannot deny the feeling I'm playing in Emirates. And that's the feeling I want to give the boys. I want them to know where they are, who they're playing for. There's also been an added investment in the sports science nature of it as well. Can you just tell us a bit more about the, the staffing levels of the uh, nutritionists and also the physios as well? Yeah, there is, there is a huge influence in England of Premier League telling you uh, which positions you have to appoint people. And next to that, there's of course your own vision on things. I think we have a quite strong, well-developed strength and conditioning staff. We have very good medical staff, but also last year we, we brought in a player liaison officer, a nutritionist, a psychologist. Uh, we have a good education department. So I think on, that, on those areas as well, we made a big step in fulfilling Premier League uh, requirements, but also in improving in the way we want ourselves to improve. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him? 
On the 12th of July 1998, Patrick Vieira and Emmanuel Petit were part of the French team that defeated Brazil 3-0 in the World Cup final in Paris. Sinazine Zidane had put the host two goals up, but it was the Arsenal duo who'd have the final word on the final. And everybody on that bench has contributed. It's not about 11 players anymore winning the World Cup. It's about 22. The Nielsen in the corner. And France keep them out. Indeed they can. In fact, it's Dugarry just looking for support. And he's got Vieira. It's five against two. Vieira playing it in again for Petit. And it's another one. It's 3-0. Gets the roar of acclaim from his president, and France are the new world champions. What a glorious finish for the French side, for the acclaim of their president, and abroad the smile there for Manu Petit, and the look there of Capu says everything about Brazil tonight. Kevin. Well, that goal and Arsenal written all over it because it's Vieira who gets it, knocks it into Petit. How many times are we going to see this next season? Tremendous goal. They really didn't want to go forward at first, but they were forced to by Brazil's lack of urgency to get back. What a great finish from Petit. It's over, and France are the world champions. I came on because um, Marcel Dussay was sent off, and things happened really quick because I didn't do any warm-up or nothing like that, so the manager tell me, change, you're going to come in. Oh, OK. <laughs> so I take the clothes and I went inside the pitch straight away. And uh, we had a corner against us and uh, we went on contra-attack. And uh, Ducari got the ball, he gave it to me, I gave it to Manny Petit, and he scored. And that was... Uh, that was... Uh, that was fantastic. The two Arsenal players who had a great time together, who really enjoyed, loved play together, who were really friendly. I think it's just a feeling, feeling because we loved to play to each other because I think we are quite both similar on the, on the way we, uh, we are as a, as a fighter. We are, we was ready to, uh, if I was in, in trouble, I knew that I can count on him and if he was, he knew that he, went, he can count on me. And I think uh, that's why we, uh, we was enjoyed playing together. Vieira and Petit would be remembered as one of the greatest midfield partnerships of all time, adding the European Championships in 2000. The club partnership would be split that summer when Petit joined Barcelona. And Vieira, of course, would go on to captain Arsenal's Invincibles. We'll have another history lesson next time. But now back to our chat with Andreas Jonker. So Andres, it's been an exciting time on the pitch as well. When I last spoke to you, you were talking about Alex Awobi and how he was your academy player of the season. Since then, he's gone on to score two goals for the first team, very much a huge part of uh, Arsene Wenger's squad. Can you just talk about his rise to the first team and how proud you are of him? Yeah, the good thing is Alex came, came in here at Highland with as an under nine, so he couldn't come in earlier. Um, I spent many, many hours in this dome past all those coaches who have been working with him and I'm not the one who 
developed Alex Awobi. I just know him for two years and he has been here for nine years. So all those people who have been working with him deserve the credits. Liam Brady and his staff, they deserve the credits. But also and especially Alex himself. And what makes him different from those, from many other boys is that when you analyze him, he's good on all perspectives. So it's not just a good player, it's also a stable guy who's working hard every day and who's not to be distracted by a lot of success, but neither by a lot of disappointment. When I came in, I remember that he was about to go on loan, having had an in, a knee injury, being not that fit, being not able to play 90 minutes. Surprisingly, Arsene put him on a training pitch and he did quite well. And then his development started and he became some kind of a rising star. Played better and better in the 21s. Played quite well in the 19s. Made two brilliant goals against Bayern Munich, I remember. And then he, he deserved his chance. Became on the, a player on the bench, a youth player. And then Arsene gave him the chance to show himself. And he was stable. No panic, no wrong expectations in the shoes. We say in Holland, when you're next to your shoes, you're losing it. But he stayed in his shoes. And he kept working hard and he grabbed his chance. Uh, we respect it a lot and I'm, I'm very pleased with his performance of last season. So Alex has obviously got the technical and physical ability to, to succeed at the highest level, but he's also got that mentality as well. How important is that and what work do you do here at Hale End to ensure that players are equipped with that by the time they get to London Colney? I think the main thing is that we're trying to be realistic and his mentality is one of working hard. That's what most of those boys bring from themselves. They have this wish, they have this dream to become a professional player. And that's not what we don't have to push that much. That's a natural thing most of them bring. To handle success and to handle disappointment, that's another thing. And that's where we try to be realistic. When it's good, it's good. But when it's not good, it's not good. And I think Alex is one of the examples who got the message quite well. Mm. And he's, he's had some ups and downs his, his career so far, just a couple of injuries maybe when he was a bit younger. But now, for these young players, being able to see what he's up to now, it must be a huge inspiration for them. I think he's the example of a good player who has never been identified by nobody as a potential first-team player. And many, many people seem to think you have to recognise an under nine as a potential first-team player. When you're longer in youth football, you, you find out you never know. You never know. There are positive surprises, there are negative surprises. And Alex is one of those boys who has continued to work hard, has kept his commitment and dedication, no matter what happened. In the end, he made it. And he has been a big surprise to everybody here in Arsenal. And we all love it that he has surprised us all. Another one in that first team is, is Hector Bellerin. Now, he's had a, a different journey to the first team than, than Alex, but he's still very much off Arsenal's academy line, isn't he? Yeah, when, when, when we play in Europe and we, we, we fly in the same plane as the first team and we have won, Hector's one of the one, ones coming back to the plane, to the back, and congratulating the academy players with their victory. And there you see his commitment to the academy he has not forgotten where he comes from but it's a different story because 
foreign players can only come in uh, after their 16th birthday. So Alex was here with nine, Hector was here with 16. There are plenty of other good role models in the first team squad, the likes of Kieran Gibbs, Francis Coquelin and Jack Wilshire as well. And that shows that Arsenal's DNA is, is very much there still, where if a player is good enough, then they're old enough. Yeah, but that's where I feel very comfortable in this club and where my position is much easier than, than compared to any other academy manager. We have, we have a, a manager with the first team who was here for a long time and I just explained when you are at Colney, you're a potential candidate to practice with the first team. And every day, every single day, four or five players from the academy practice with the first team. So everybody who's performing better than, than a first-team player gets a chance. Uh, it's good to know. For me, of course, that was one of the reasons to step in this club. But for those players, it's a huge possibility to have this guarantee. If I perform in Arsenal, I will get a chance in the first team. Uh, that's brilliant. You mentioned there, there's, there's always players training with the first team. But of last season, we saw uh, Chris Willock, Christian Bielik, Dan Crowley and Ben Sheaf all travelling with the first team, some of them playing as well. Um, what have Arsenal done here that's prepared players to be able to play senior football so early in their careers? Yeah, I think there are only a few clubs in Europe who have a real identity. I think Ajax, Anderlecht, Barcelona, Arsenal, you, you know what you can expect. Uh, and that's a, a passing game with us, a passing game, space for individual quality, for creativity, the intention to play football people want to see, the intention to make goals, and of course we want to win. We have an identity and over the years we have been working on that identity, not just me, also Liam Brady and his people. So yeah, working for a long time on that identity makes that everybody knows what's to be expected. Given that group of players there just, that we've just mentioned, how excited are you for the next batch of youngsters who are going to be knocking on Arsene Wenger's door for a first team chance? Yeah, listening to Arsene, he's using, that's his words, he's using many, many players on his training pitch because his first team players trust the academy players and he trusts them. And that means we have a high level of players at the moment that call me. Yeah, and I'm quite pleased with that. I think at the moment it looks good. But the main challenge, of course, is that more players make it to the first team. And yeah, nobody, nobody can look in the future. We know that there are many respected professional players in the first team, more experienced, higher aged. Yeah, we will see. But hopefully our boys will keep knocking on the door and we'll follow the example of Alex Habobi. That's full time on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. We'll be back on Friday, the 22nd of July, when we'll be hearing from Jack Wilshire and Francis Cochlam. To make sure you don't miss that, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or follow the Arsenal SoundCloud page. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gutters. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast.